This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 11. We are talking to artist John Campbell. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to artist John Campbell about his work in the exhibition Ball Year, a selection of works from the past 15 years by Campbell that reference aspects of our passionate sporting culture. Discover more about Campbell's sporting background, his iconic Year flag, and what it meant for him to win the $100,000 Basil Sellers Art Prize. Thanks for joining us today, John. My pleasure, Danny. I'd love to hear about how you first became interested in art and started to make work. I'd always been interested in art from an early age, actually. I, drawing was one of the first things that interested me as a kid. And sport, actually, funnily enough, they were the two things. And they sort of stayed with me through my high school years. I don't exactly know why. I didn't really grow up with art around me or art in the house or, you know, friends even particularly interested in art. But somehow it became my interest. And through high school, art and design, graphic design and sport, actually were the kind of three things that I was most engaged with. How did you become an artist, how did you take that initial passion of art um, and even sport to the next level? How did you actually become a practising artist? I became a practising artist by going to art school, essentially, and not in the sense that it showed me what an artist could be. I didn't know what an artist was or what they did. I was interested in art. I liked looking at it. I liked making it. But it wasn't until almost by coincidence that um, I fell into doing this, it's called a TOP course, it was like a precursor to the TAFE course. I did it at Footscray Technical College and I did uh, oil painting and figure drawing and design work as well. And during that year, uh, I became aware of art school and then it kind of worked with the idea of going to art school still not really knowing what an artist did or how they lived, but knowing that art was really something I wanted to see, to find out about. And so then I went to art school, went to RMIT to study painting and basically kept going from that point on. It was probably around second year, I think, when I became aware of how artists lived and that they exhibited their work and tried to sell it and... Uh, there was this gallery system and all those things, and I could see that that was a world I thought I could uh, be in. Back then, what were some of the bigger influences that, I guess, encouraged you to become an artist and continue as a professional artist? I think that was, again, around that RMIT time. It's very interesting how those, I guess, they're called the formative years because they are, you know, of when I was, like, 18, 19 years old, unsure of what to do, that you do look for... I think in whatever your field is for role models to some degree. And um, so it was the people that were teaching me at RMIT at that time, Jeff Lowe, uh, Stephen Bush. It was mainly the younger ones there. There was older artists teaching there like um, Andrew Sibley, Ronald Miller, Les Cossatz. But it was more the few younger teachers, there wasn't many, that I 
kind of became friends with and went to their studios and would go out and see bands and have a beer on a Friday night and suddenly I, you know, they sort of, without particularly saying or doing anything, kind of by example, showed me a way to go forward, I guess. And how has your artwork changed since those early days to even now? It's obviously you've been practising for a long time. Um, what are some of the, the changes that have occurred in your work? I think stylistically things have changed a lot. I think the subject matter actually hasn't changed that much. You know, when I first started out at art school, I didn't really have any idea about what to make work about. I was just trying to work out how the paint moved across the surface, how I used colour. I was making these, I guess, semi-abstract paintings that were coming out of the everyday, like, you know, maybe about... I started to make paintings then in this very kind of rough, loose kind of figurative way of subjects of going to see bands, beach, a sort of activity around me. And I think that has absolutely stayed with me. But I did make figurative paintings, I guess, for nearly a 10-year period. And then um, I started to introduce text into the work. And so they've been, you know, mostly text-based over the past 20 years. And the text is such a defining part of your work. Uh, you won the Basil Sellers Art Prize in 2012 with your amazing text-based work using the nicknames of famous VFL, AFL players. Why text? What is it about text that you love so much? When I was making the figurative paintings, I got to a certain point that, again, not that I've been making them for that long, I guess 10 years is not that long, but I was sort of running out of ideas of what to do with the figurative paintings. And while I still was interested in a particular subject matter, the text became sort of opened up a way to start to think about it. And funny enough, I've been making paintings, um, artworks around cars, like the car was a kind of focal point, which it was for my kind of teenage years in the suburbs. And the car became a kind of site almost for activity. And then, you know, I'd look at the design of cars and I was interested in older cars, older Australian design cars. And then uh, that kind of led into the logos of cars and things like that. And then it became interesting to go, well, maybe that word Kingswood by itself could talk about this whole culture, it could talk about history, could talk about that car, could talk about suburbia to some degree. And then that really kind of opened things up to go, ah, maybe other words can start to do the same thing. And the words or the text also opened up a lot of new ways to think about designing the works, actually. And that became very exciting. That uh, There's a lot of possibilities. The possibilities were kind of endless or something with that. And so I started to follow the text and I've kind of kept going. I've never had a kind of long plan of this to go right I'll do this for 10 years then I'll do that for five and then I'll do that for five the work really has led me and I've tried to keep following that so you know who knows where it might be in 10 years time but um the text still is the main subject at the moment I guess one of the pieces of text that you're most well known for is yeah 
a very mainstay of the Australian vernacular. Can you talk a little bit about the word year and how you've incorporated that in different objects, different artworks? The year first appeared in my work, again, thinking around everyday language and the fact that I say year 5,000 times a day. And so I made a kind of hand-drawn year design and I used it in a couple of paintings. It was just small within the kind of... Though these sort of combination paintings had several words and actually some sort of stylized figures in them. And then I was invited to make a flag design for an exhibition in New Zealand. I'd been over to do a show in Auckland and I went down to Hamilton to do a talk at an art school and met a couple of artists down there. They invited me to make a flag design. They had two flagpoles in central Hamilton and I said, sure. And then in kind of researching flags and thinking about flags, I was thinking of an idea of what could be, you know, hopefully a little more interesting to look up at, you know. Like most flags I find boring, you know, flags of countries, like the designs are boring and there's only a very small range of colours actually that they use. So one of the first things was colour to go, I'm going to use colours that aren't generally in flags. And then I thought, as you work through these ideas, that the word yeah would look great. It's kind of got this positive vibe and it would be a great thing to look up and see that. And then, so I made it essentially in pink and green. And then from that point on, they made the flag, it looked incredible flying. And then the word yeah and this, its association with a flag took on a kind of life of its own. And um, I've used it in different contexts over the years and I still use it from time to time and other people still use it these days. And yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that in some ways this small idea has become a big idea now. I seem to remember at the 2006 Commonwealth Games there was a, a whole range of year flags lining the marathon route, if I remember correctly. Yes, there's this... An exhibition on at the Potter Museum at Melbourne Uni around sport and I had a large flag inside the gallery and then we printed up, I think we did a couple of thousand small hand waver year flags with the idea that any fan could wave them for anybody within the Commonwealth Games but we had a moment of a flag wave for the marathon and I like the idea of it in the Commonwealth Games because there's a lot of small countries in the Commonwealth Games and... Um, that this is a way of supporting them to some degree, that anyone could take the air flag and support any of these kind of smaller countries that mightn't have that much support generally. And so we got out early on a Sunday morning up the top of Swanson Street and waved them as the marathon runners came by. And in terms of winning the Basil Sellers Art Prize, what did that opportunity mean for you as an artist? Well, first of all, it made a big difference to my bank account. <laughs> but it was, you know, the biggest chunk of money I'd ever had out of art. But it also brought some focus to what I was doing, I think, that it sort of had a feel to me that, you know, I've got a reasonably good audience for my work and, you know, there's enough people that are interested in it. But there's also a lot more that I may be interested in it or, you know, I've just seen it or know something of what I've done. A moment like that maybe focuses some of those people on what you're doing, like it, it is a big deal and um, maybe makes them think, oh, maybe I'll go and check out his work or something. Yeah, it was a, 
kind of highlight in a sense. But interestingly enough, you go on from that point. It's not suddenly like the world changes that much. You know, people said to me, I was, um, I've been teaching for a long time, and uh, they're like, oh, I give up your day job now with it. I said, oh, it's not that much money, like it's good, but it's not going to last me forever. And, uh, but it did alert people again to what I'm doing. At MPRG now, we're showing a selection of works of yours from 1991 to 2016 with an aptly titled name, Ball Year. I'd love to hear a little bit about some of those works in that exhibition, in particular the pennant, and I guess this also comes back to maybe your history with sport and relationship to sport. Yeah, the pennant work relates to a particular moment when I was playing rugby union in the mid-70s. I played a lot of rugby union, which was kind of rare for kids in Melbourne to be playing rugby union. It was mainly played up north. But my father had played uh, union in Belfast, and when we migrated, he continued to play union. And, of course, we just, my brothers and I just followed in. And um, I did also play VFL on the weekend, I was pretty sport mad as a teenager, played cricket, soccer, basketball, but mainly through winter I'd play rugby union on a Saturday and it was VFL in those days on a Sunday. And I was pretty obsessed with it and I was selected on the Victorian junior rugby union teams and then I went to play for Victoria in the Australian Carnival in Brisbane, 1977, and... uh, At the end of the carnival, I was selected on the Australian under-16 team, which again was rare for Victorian union players, which was, you know, again, one of those big deals, but it didn't pan out that big, (laughs) that deal. Like, the team was just a team that was kind of in writing only. We didn't play. Um, I was selected at fullback in that team. And for being selected, I was given a small pennant and I was given a letter from like the president of the rugby union in Melbourne congratulating me. So I made a painting then of the pennant as a way of maybe trying to elevate that moment a little bit and put that moment into a kind of broader history, but also, again, coming out of a personal history. But yeah, to within my practice, again, to give sport this kind of presence. And did it ever cross your mind to be a professional sports person back then? It did. I mean, when I was playing on the uh, state teams, you know, and you're 14, 15, 16 years old, and I did like the thing about rugby union at that time that you could travel the world with it. Like, that was very appealing. And, um, you know, I was fully aware of the Wallabies and the All Blacks and, of course, all the teams from Great Britain. And so... That was a kind of dream at that point, you know, to play for the Wallabies. And then making the under-16 team was like, maybe. But as I got a little older playing here, like like anything, you know, you've got to be 110% committed to these things. And I wasn't as I got older. You know, I, I trained hard at that time, but I wasn't prepared to do weights and give it my full attention. I went to art school then and my focus changed. Plus the game, it changed and I really wasn't big enough, strong enough to stay with it. So yeah, the dream was all over by about 18 or 19. (laughs) 
What does your studio practice entail and what engagement do you have with other artists and galleries and the general arts community? I like to stay pretty engaged. I mean, I, I have been teaching for a long time and I resigned from teaching last year. And one of the things that happened with that was a little less engagement to some degree with staff and students. And so it's become apparent to got to keep working at that and keep going out to things, meeting up with artists, going to exhibitions. I've always done that. I've always liked that, going to look at work. I go to openings. I don't go to as many openings now as I used to. So I think it's important to keep up the speed with what's going on and what people are thinking about. You know, that feeds directly into the work. You know, you go out and look at things and get ideas and see how people are doing, putting things together, and I can take that back into the studio. The studio is very consistent and I work, but I don't work in the studio 24-7. Like, I haven't got enough output or places for the work to go to be doing that. So I just work consistently and that can be for half an hour at a time, days at a time, five-hour session, whatever, whatever's kind of needed in amongst getting art supplies, doing my admin, sending emails, go and look at shows. All of that just fills up the week pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And finally, what advice would you give to artists just starting out? I think, I mean, it's the cliche, but you'd have to be prepared to work hard at this. You know, it's not easy, but that's fine. But you've got to be prepared to stay with it and you have to be prepared for disappointment in it or not getting the things you think you deserve. It's a long journey being an artist and I think you've got to be prepared to stay in for the long journey. Like, you know, artists can get attention in the early days. It goes up and down, in my experience, and still does. And you kind of got to be prepared for that. And I think if you can handle that, then you'll be okay. You know, you can keep going and hopefully maintain a life as an artist. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today, John. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode 11 of our conversation series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. Our 2018 podcast program is supported by the Gordon Darling Foundation. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.